Dad Bod Rap Pod, we are the multicultural rapidity rap mafia. One of the things about there being no existing pictures of us is like I want more credit for our multicultural. Oh no, yeah, yeah, no. Next, going into the next season, we're gonna have like those college brochures where they take every minority on campus, totally, and make them take a picture. We can Um, make that happen here in beautiful San Jose, California, one of the most diverse cities in the world. Absolutely, guy reading by the fountain, you know, like. I'd like to note the Asian guy in this podcast not drinking sake. That would be me. That would be me. But Dave's like, I'm not Japanese. Fuck you. Um, it's a dad bod rap pod. I am joined here by Mr. Nate LeBlanc. How's it going? Hello. It's going well. Okay. It's a lie. It's Monday. You know you're trashed. Um, it's all right. It's fucking, that's right, because it's it's the fake-ass Columbus Day holiday. Mm, uh, Indigenous right. People's Day. That's, that's right. right. The only Chris we acknowledge is walking. Um, <laughs> or Reeve. Or Reeves. Or, or Reeve. Wallace. Or Wallace. Um, I'm also joined by Mr. Reeve. Dave Ma. <laughs> hey, dudes. Wait, what? Did you Christopher Reeve? He's <laughs> <laughs> very handsome. I, yeah. He's Superman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good to be here, guys. Good yeah, yeah, here, yeah, yeah. In all seriousness, good yeah, to be yeah. Here. yeah. We're 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 back. Uh, we have a little case again. of the giggles. We had our uh, smoke break where we were giggling a lot, and Man. now it's time to get serious and the, record podcast because <laughs> that's a serious fucking business, right? <laughs> um, yeah. If you man, if we could ever publish these outtakes, we'd be platinum, but but we can't. Um, so today we're going to talk about um, a subject that is uh, really interesting. Um, in the history of rap and kind of like one of the subgenres that came to take over the entire genre. But before we do that, I, I want to just to kind of personalize this topic a little bit. Um, I want to ask, what is the most gangster thing you've ever done in your life? Oh, shit. That's going to be very ungangster. I grew up in Santa Clara, so <laughs> I returned a library hey, book. Uh, <laughs> dude, hold on. I saw one time a dude, and this was in the tall T kind of hyphy era, where I don't know if you remember those. Um, I don't know if it said straight out of Santa Clara. It said something to that, like straight out of Santa oh Clara. And it had like different street names and like a gun. It's like no. Monroe. Yeah, I no, know. It, it, Lafayette. <laughs> Totally, dude. Um, I, dude. I, I was DJing one time at this old clothing store that doesn't exist anymore called say. The Usuals, and I had to text Dave because it was an art show for a Santa Clara artist who's a good friend of ours, and one of the dudes was wearing a shirt. It was a takeoff on the Suicidal Tendencies logo, and it said Santa Clara Tendencies, oh and so I still think about that all the time. Was that Froyo? <laughs> is that a Santa Clara <laughs> tendency? It's like visits to the mission at totally. the oh Olympic-sized pool. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Prune Ridge Golf Course, like in driving range. Oh man, <laughs> doing but, drive-bys with a bucket of balls. It's it, but it's wild though because th- that's that's the gangster rap aesthetic is one of these things that like almost everybody feels like they can tap into, right? Um, if if you have a certain level of like self delusion, sure. But in your life. Come on. Well, Nate has kind of already surfaced that he was an Orteño weed holder for many years. 
<laughs> Thank you for bringing that yeah. up. That's probably right up there. Yeah. I'm a, I was a mule. That should go on your resume. <laughs> <laughs> how how, how San Jose it. are you? I'm this San Jose. Yeah, yeah which is uh, that's pretty high level. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll, I'll share only because the statute of limitations are up. Um, one time, me and some friends who will go unnamed actually stole a car. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's it's definitely not cool. It's pretty dumb. So we were in high school. Um, some guy who had a car left his keys in the quad. And so we picked That's up the keys, dumb. and we just had – it had the clicker, right? So we're like, it's fourth period. I'm ready to cut if you are. And we just <laughs> went around in the parking lot and started until clicking until we found the car, which was like this terrible – I want to say it was like a, a fucking Celica or something dumb. Um and yeah, so we just we got in the car. We we basically stole this guy's car. We're driving around San Jose. I think we went like to Burger King. Like there was no real sounds like a high school crime. Yeah, yeah. There was no <laughs> real <laughs> plan of action. We tried to talk to a girl, and she just <laughs> kept walking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't even something like like out the window. We looked cool. Um, we we did steal the radio just to kind of feel like we had done something substantial in this crime. <laughs> Um, and then we left it like on a south side block with the keys on the seat. Um, oh. And I remember we went and then the, walked home. And then walked home Damn. because because gangster. I, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I told you I was about the life, man. I didn't. Uh, I'm not here to play with y'all. Um, so we, yeah, we walked home and fucking just we we ended up selling the radio at the flea market at the Capitol Flea Market. Uh, wow, dude, and you just have a, a table with one thing on it. <laughs> It's we quite, ended up hawking it. Like, um, I, I want to get rid of some of my old G.I. Joes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a grand opening, grand closing of, wow, of, the, of, gangster, career. of the gangster career for me. Right. Um, was scared shitless the whole time. Right, but, yeah. I'm sure. All right, I have stolen. That is very gangster. Um, if we're going there. I uh, When I lived in Santa Cruz, I started amassing what is now my record collection. And I had when I moved there, I maybe had like... 60 or 70 records and they fit in this little wicker shelf my mom bought me at pier one imports mm. for my dorm room and by the time i started kind of like you know spending my college money on records um i had way more than that so i needed to put them in something so i would go to long's uh because oh, i used to work yeah, at long's yeah. and i wasn't working at long's anymore but i knew where stuff like would be on the side and this safeway that was in santa cruz as well and i would steal the crates uh, is that even stealing? I though? stole like four or five. Isn't that crates. repurposing? <laughs> like I didn't even bring up my crate stealing days. I, know, I never felt that yeah. bad about it, to be honest. The lucerne joints, like the yeah. ones they had the milk in, those they, were the they were. I actually would. I preferred these ones that had tops. They like they click oh. in on themselves. Mm. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. They, they don't fit the records perfect though. They have like they pinch in at the bottom, right. so totally. they, they kind of they're fit concave. records. Yeah, yeah, they're concave, but. Anyway, if we're, if we're confessing crimes, that's well, a crime well, just I'll, being I'll, crafty. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's you thrifting. tell Mister Long that <laughs> he needs those crates. So to one sell time, ball speaking of, of crate of crates, uh, crate theft. One time, uh, me and DJ Worldwide, shout out to Worldwide, stole a U.S. mail crate. Oh, those are great. Yeah, they're yeah. they're absolutely fantastic. And so those work. They do leave a little too much room on the sides, but they have great handles. They have great <laughs> handles, very sturdy. You could bring hella records into a gig. And so but one time we were doing a corporate gig and somebody is like, Where did you get that from? <laughs> and uh, we were like we're like all sweaty, like that Ken Peel meme. We're like, we're like 
they're like, um, I don't think you're supposed to have that. And we're like, oh, his uncle works at the post office. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dave, put it in the car. Put it in the car. <laughs> Dave, you've you got That's some thuggery in your past, dude. Not Stop. really, dude. Stop, I, man. I, dude, I grew up in Santa Clara, man. My, my one sort of connection to gangsta rap is that one of my first uh, music purchases ever was uh, Straight Outta Compton. Okay, so it's that's not young, dude. No, totally. I, I was in fourth grade. I walked God, to the warehouse. That and says a lot. No, but I mean, but that's probably like the one. Cool okay, Dave. Sort Dave, of thing. You I never purchased. boosted a tape. You never stole a candy bar. Of course, I stole candy, but okay, okay, yeah, that's not gangsta. Okay, I'm so glad I said that the way I said that. I have this awesome story. I've been looking for the right position on the podcast to tell. <laughs> um, I was at a DJ battle at the Maritime Hall, and it was hey. hosted by Ice T. Damn. Which, like, long before he was on TV. Huh. Because, like, why is he there? Right. Uh, right, right. But they got Ice-T to host it. And I don't know if you guys remember this um, pretty deep in the turntable genre, but there was this crew called the 89 Scratch Gangstas. Yeah. Mm. It was yeah, Mike yeah, yeah. Boo and yep. DJ Pone and someone whose name I'm not remembering. And uh, DJ Pone is this really good DJ. He, but he had, like, really quirky, like, sets. He would... Um, he had this amazing beat juggle he did with the uh, Sergeant Pepper's Revisited. Um, you know how that kind of has mm-hmm. a break and yeah. those like fuzzy guitars, and totally. then he also he would like juggle like Britney Spears and shit, okay. like kind of to be funny, but it was dope. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mike Boo is like a fucking phenomenal scratcher. Anyway, long story long, um, Ice T is doing crowd work in between the rounds, and DJ Pone is right in the front, and he's like this kind of diminutive Filipino dude. And uh, Ice T's like, what's your name? And he's like, DJ Pone. He's like, you know, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm in the 89 Scratch Gangsters. And Ice Cube just gives him the most sneering, like, <laughs> disgusted look. And he's like, you ain't no gangster. <laughs> oh, man. And it was one of the funniest things well, I've ever seen. I want to run home. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's <laughs> oh, true, though. Oh, man. That's hilarious. It was so funny. Oh, man. And who knew he'd be solving special victims crimes? Seriously. <laughs> A decade later. Um <laughs> Wow. Wow. So so yeah, so the definition of gangster definitely fluid, uh whether you're from Santa Clara or the South Bronx. <laughs> um so so our 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 the topic for today and it kind of bleeds into the interview that's going to come up after is like what is gangsta gangster? Um it's something that's thrown around a lot in our culture right. and it means different things to different people. So I I wanted to to get a a working definition of this, but I wanted to start by establishing a spectrum because one time my son um who is into rock music asked me like oh dad what is soul like what does that really mean and i'm like okay if you have a spectrum taylor swift is zero and (laughs) james brown is 100 and we would in weeks he was just coming up with different things and hitting me like who's this what where do they land Mm -hmm. yeah how where do they land on the spectrum and so that's cool um i think credence 55 55 strong <laughs> proud mary hitting hitting hit mid 50s um so so on the on the spectrum of uh, spectrum of gangsta um i think nate has previously identified zero as paul barman <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the least gangster that's rap. the least gangster rap who is the most who is uh. our is our who anchors the other side not well, necessarily the best gangster right, but right. who is the most I mean, would we take the visage of Suge Knight and call that 100? But he's not a he's rapper. He's not a rapper. He's not a rapper. Okay. Right, right. I'll give you that. I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of the, the when you go back and study and sort of the first that like hit me that, that fit the spectrum would be Schooly D. 
Scooby D yeah. was definitely PSK, PSK is a yeah. gang, yeah. so that's yeah. gangster. Yeah. But I think the person who embodies it, and uh, we're going to hear more about this later. Spoiler alert: We have a great interview about mm-hmm. this topic coming up. Um, it what people think of as gangster rap resides in L.A. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm going to yeah. posit that it resides in the personage of Easy E. Okay. Like okay. The, the yep. Lokes, yep. Nobody's the more Chucks. gangster. Than Nobody's. It, he actually mm-hmm. sold drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He yeah. and and a lot of the people I would want to put forward, I would be like Snoop or Dre. It's mm-hmm. like they're artists. Yeah. More. Snoop was actually Snoop a gangster yeah. 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 in a gang, but he got famous really young. Yeah. He's right. like yeah. seventeen, eighteen, writing deep cover. It's like it doesn't it kind of end at that point. <laughs> right. And then you're right. a famous rapper instead of everyday. Gangstering, I yeah, don't know. gangstering. Um, <laughs> okay, so I, I, if Paul Barman is zero and Easy E is one hundred, let's start easy. Let's let's write in easy here. Where does Fifty Cent mm. lie on that thing? Shot nine times. Um, that, that puts you pretty high in. Do it, does, are you in eighties? So are you hitting eighties? If you have bullet holes, automatic eighty. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. I put him in the eighties. You put him in the high. And 80s? now he's yeah. a water magnate. <laughs> okay, so so in that in that realm, does kind of like the De Niro factor? It's do like, you lose the gangster? Do points? you lose the gangster points? Like De Niro rom rom coms kind of eat away. Like at in nineteen ninety two, Doctor Dre is a ninety nine, and in twenty eighteen, Doctor Dre is a thirty five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're a billionaire, can you still be a gangster rapper? I don't think you know? so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so yeah, that's my next He's one. He's the architect be like, of the whole, the, like the G Funk, the the my, sonic architect the of the whole Arc- shit. Totally. The, the, totally. Parliament yeah. Records, like the whole yeah. thing. That mm-hmm. makes you pretty gangster, he, right? Yeah, totally. He changed the landscape of music. I mean, okay. totally. But when you live in Hidden Hills, then you have to, you kind of have to uh, forfeit some gangster. Okay, where do we put Dr. Dre? 2018 Dr. Dre on the spectrum of gangster. I, I, I said 35, and it's just for past accomplishments. So I think you can be whittled away by you your, can, you can lose your life yeah. in the suburb. You're, he lives right. in a Malibu beach house. Totally. Yeah. totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, Ice Cube gets brought up a lot, but I mean, he's doing Disney movies. Totally. So. And he was like, I don't know. I don't know that he ever gangstered either. Um, okay, so that's that's a that's a great point though because then we start to think about people like a Rick Ross, right? Right. Who who projects gangster, but in actuality, the the backstory doesn't match up. Mm-hmm. So that that right. puts you further down. Right. Okay. I, I have a, what I think will be an interesting one for you guys, and we don't have to just assign it a number. I want to hear what you guys think about it. Raekwon. Mm, to me, I think he falls on the sort of mafioso rap. I mean, if, if it's too... If so you, you think of them as different things? I, I think so. I think to the layperson... Slapping be. up white boys on ball courts? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Sounds I don't know. pretty gangstery. No. Uh, Definitely gangstery, but I think, like, the imagery is different, you know? And certainly, sonically, it's different. Okay. So, but then we're locating gangster rap within a... In a That's in the In a firm West Coast tradition of it. Okay. But I, I'm not necessarily. I just want. That's why I yeah, wanted to yeah. throw this in and see what you guys thought. So could you assign him a number of like? I think I could. Yeah, I think you could. But I think I think his gangster number is probably higher than Dre's at the moment, though, right? Yeah. So I was. Yeah. I would be like sixty-five. Yeah. Okay. That sounds about right. Okay. A strong sixty-five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What do you think? Um, and do you consider Wu Gambino kind of gangster rap? I definitely do in the sense that um, the aesthetic of of you know criminology, let's say. The aspect of it. Why would you use that word in particular? Um, <laughs> criminology <laughs> rap. Um, I, I think Wu Tang embodies that and a lot of other things. But on a raw, his raw gangster number, I would I would put Raekwon at about a sixty. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Um, here's here's a fun one. Um, 
Where would Jay Z show up on this list? Oh man! Wait, he right so, now he definitely sold drugs. Like it's well documented yeah. that he yeah, sold yeah. drugs. Yeah, his backstory. Is but tough. his music is not gangster rap. Okay. Well, I mean, the first album was. First album was reasonable. Reasonable doubt is the is is introspective gangster, and he cites Scarface, who we'll get to his number I in a moment. Gonna, totally, yeah, yeah totally. as as a very as yeah. a very high number. Um, Beanie Siegel, uh, who is a disgruntled kind of rock expatriate, was like, "Oh no, Jay Z is gangster. I've seen him take people's songs like in their <laughs> face. Like there's um, right in terms of being like a cold blooded Tony Montana empire builder. Kind of a, a he, little, a he's little in bit. the upper echelons there, yeah. right? But, but his his rock his rock abandoned it though. After Reasonable Doubt, I feel like he abandoned. He kind of got further and further away. What is his current 2018 gangsta number? Jay Z, he's on the Forbes 50. list. <laughs> okay, he's, like, he's on the Forbes. <laughs> he's list. on the you Forbes list. So it's like the for- inverse of the Forbes list. But right? his, uh, to me, his his mythology is built in the fact that he actually did was it. a real de- mm-hmm. was a real drug yeah. dealer. Mm-hmm. So I will on on legacy points, I will give him a solid forty five. Okay, on legacy yeah. points. On, on okay. legacy, on okay. legacy. What about like a an E forty? E forty, pretty high. But see, then we get into this interesting distinction of. Where do you make the pivot? Is every hmm, is every dope dealer what, right? rapper necessarily right? Um, is the clips gangster rap? Right. Is mob music gangster rap? Totally. I don't know. I'm gonna give Forty again on that kind of same Jay Z scale and the fact that he's kind of still talking about these things. I'm gonna give him high seventies. I was gonna say okay, seventy. Okay. Yeah. You're gonna give him, give him high seventy. The clips. He's like a, a good dad. <laughs> yeah, and like makes wines. So I know, totally. Yeah. I don't know how gangster that it's is. Like but entrepreneurial I mean, rap. Also, just throwing this out there, this is just for fun. Like we don't know anything about this. Like, we don't want to get no shot. One, no one what what cares said. what we think about people's <laughs> gangsterness levels. Uh, that was Damone Carter and Nate LeBlanc. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's let's get current. What's a, a West Side Gun? <sighs> Pretty high. Yeah, I think pretty high. I, d- I don't know their backstory. Are they real gangsters? Or are they just right. doing facets well, th- of Ghostface? I think face? we have to decide for us, is selling drugs gangsterism? Because they certainly okay. sell drugs. I think so. I think that's one of the main overlaps be- uh, with mafioso rap and gangster right. rap. I think there are more divergences between okay, the two. Okay, after that. Okay. okay. I, I would put him in, like, in the high 80s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because it does have that surreal... Quality okay. and the like wrestling references and mm-hmm, stuff, which mm-hmm. that is not classic gangster rap material. What about but, you? But you still give him, you still give him high. He seems very believable yeah. as a street tough to me. Totally and sonically, <laughs> deep, yeah. Okay, okay. I would, yeah, I, would yeah. I, I have one. Okay, Vince Staples. Because mm. he's like a literal crip who talks about it all the time, right? But his music is not really that gangster, right? 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 I would say like he's kind of low on it, dude. He wouldn't say that, but yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know. Also got famous super young, so totally. it's like how long were you gangstering? Right. Um right. I'll right. I'll give it just based on his kind of Long Beach crippiness, I will give him uh sixty four. Okay, I was gonna say sixty five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see, see that I was gonna say sixty four and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sixty four five. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. What is twenty eighteen Snoop? Fucking Martha Two? Stewart? Again. Yeah, Martha Stewart. <laughs> Snoop, Snoop she beat spent him. more time in jail than he did. <laughs> he beat a murder case. There was a moment where you were like, yeah. is there anybody realer than Snoop? Uh, right. No, totally. Yeah. I remember yeah, totally. like being at the grocery store and seeing him on that, what, Time Magazine or something? Yeah. And then being like, I got to buy this album. Holy totally. shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we may never see him again. I don't know if I've ever told you guys this story. Uh, one year for Christmas, my family used to do a big gift exchange, and my aunt and uncle 
um, bought me Whoop, There It Is and The Chronic. <laughs> nice. They like knew I was into hip hop. So they, nice pairing. Yeah. Uh, and so the I walked uh, about a mile and a half to the warehouse and turned Whoop, There It Is in and got doggy style. <laughs> nice. That's well like, played. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was like, this is great. Thanks. Perfect. Love it. Yeah. Do you have a gift receipt? Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, so that was like my foundation of okay. my own. I, I bought a Kenwood Walkman, which they are not known for their mobile music products because they mentioned Kenwood so much in mm-hmm. music, oh, like oh, MC stereo. Breed and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so <laughs> I get my CDs. I finally get home. I have all of the components, batteries, all the stuff you need to do. I'm figuring out how to try to open it, which... Later, I became an expert, but was tough then. And then <laughs> I'm sitting there in my family room, and I'm blasting my headphones, and everyone can hear it. Nice. And they're like, what the fuck are you Biatch. doing? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like, you need to turn that down. <laughs> and like, my parents are super liberal, but like the beginning of doggy style oh, is totally. like filthy. Totally. You know what yeah, I mean? it's yeah like, absolutely. And absolutely. the chronic is not that much better. So anyway, <laughs> that was my little Won't story. There of, it is a 60. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> By today's standards, <laughs> definitely. Check, get your wreck, and then they'll begin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right, so play the Gangster Spectrum game at home with your friends. It's fun. <laughs> it's informative. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely think gangster, as we, as we look at, like, what is gangster? To me, I'm a little disappointed with now it can just be kind of thrown around to anyone who projects gangster. So, again, I gave the example of Rick Ross. Who right. his bona fides in that life have been thoroughly debunked. But you right. have to know a lot about hip hop to even know that or care about it. Sure. Most people only are taken at face value. Right. Like, right, right. But if you knew who Rick Ross was, it's like the the guy with the cool sweaters, you know, right. like the, right. the fat guy with the beard. Yeah. Right. You know, but, but you're kind of trading on people's pain. Like when you when you come through and you're like you're projecting this lifestyle. That you didn't live, and people totally, live, and it it fucking sucks. It's like, actually it's not, funny. It's uh, I'm realizing now that it's the plot of CB4. Oh, totally. <laughs> to- that movie's prophetic. Oh, totally. Bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think they they sussed it out in the '90s. It was called Studio Gangsta, right. and right. there was a real right. backlash against it. Boss, uh, totally. Boss, who was a, a a female rapper out of Detroit, who made a super hard album. I remember loving that album. And it was discovered that she was just a private school kid who kind of just mm-hmm. made up this whole Caught persona. Yeah. yeah, and then people immediately, like, disposed. She, and she was, was she, she was, was canceled. canceled before we knew what canceled <laughs> was. Um, and so, yeah, I'm kind of a, I'm a, I'm a, I am a little bit disappointed at when you're telling that story and you've lived it, I think you have the authority sure, to tell that sure. story. I, I, there's, there's two viewpoints. So, I mean, one, it could be a, a, just an awesome exercise in fiction, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that, that's sort of one sure. you know, aspect of it. Are we, tying, are we tying in authenticity to gangster? I, I do. You know I, what I mean? I definitely do. Okay, okay, so where does that leave us with Scarface? Like, uh, to me, he's the crux of this issue. Like, he's a brilliant artist. Like, brilliant. His, li- his lyrics are second to none. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I consider him a gangster rapper. I don't consider the Ghetto Boys to be gangsters. They're like... Why not? They're almost novelty, though. That's the only thing. They, they, they edge on novelty, but I think they're gangsters. Oh, I really? think they're gangsters, yeah. yeah. I mean, just Scar- Scarface was the first gangster rapper to get introspective. I guess it, that's yeah. why no, no, it's right. deeper totally. than that. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's, he's he not just a gangster rapper. And, and, to me. and he loves the, the band True. Kiss. Like he's very much he's a weird kind of offshoot guy. But I think yeah. he would definitely define himself as gangster. And um, their backstory is, you know, that that yeah. the fifth word of where Houston from is, is, is no, no joke. joke. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like um, I guess it's not. It's uh, maybe it's the songs that I tend to remember and 
like actually. I like ball headed hoes just as much as you do. Right. <laughs> are not gangster songs. Well, that one, is, yeah. But I mean, I think so. So much of the subject matter, so much of the other stuff is very gangster. Yeah. So, uh, so if if Raekwon is gangster and they're not, right? Is that the what? Where does it? Where, where does it fall? This what are we even talking about yeah. right now? No, I, I think uh, I think uh, if we're work, we're going towards a working definition. I think it's it's an artist whose material is very much steeped in street life. Sure. And so Wu Tang fits that bill to d- to varying degrees, but varying like Jizza, not so much, but right? You, but sure. you'll you'll like be listening to the news or something, and they'll be like gangster rapper, old dirty bastard, right? Totally. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Which it became is, such be, a catch-all be, term that I right. feel like as heads we need to push back a little bit Agreed. and be yeah. like, Agreed. actually, yeah. that's not what he was at all. Agreed. And yeah. that kind of helps like contextualize the Wu Gambino kind of mm-hmm. stuff or like mafioso rap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like Cool G Rap has this crazy skills period, and then he basically converts his persona into like to a mafia totally, totally. rapper. So is he a gangster rapper in your guys' opinion? Um, I would Ooh. give I would give him a, a you know a sixties. Because right. here's the thing: I think part of it is if he was sitting right here. Could you tell him he wasn't a gangster? <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so that if would common, be true in literally all of these cases, including Paul Barman, for me, <laughs> I'll tell Paul Barman to his face. Um, yeah, it's some, it's something. It's it's steeped in street life. I think there is something to be said if you're going to score high on this range. But it's street West, life a euphemism, just so we can have a good working definition. Like, what are we talking about? Are we talking about being in a gang? Are we talking Sammy about semantics is back. hurting people? Are we talking no, no, no. about robbery? Are we talking about stealing it, it, milk crates? Are we it, talking it about could, drugs? It could it could involve any of those things. And let me tell okay. you this: it you know it when you hear it because people identify it with location. Right. So Dave's gangster saga of Santa Clara <laughs> maybe doesn't land like uh, Kendrick Lamar, who is from Compton, and there's right. an automatic kind of. You know, I've never been to Compton, but there's an automatic kind of understanding that that's where gangster rap happens. Yeah, that's, that's where that's where it's lived. Stuff happens. All right, and therefore, but gangster rap comes from there. So Kendrick Lamar, like, where does he where does he score on that? He's actually um, he's actually mentioned in this in the next interview we're gonna come up. Right. I, I would say, based on my understanding of his music, that I've listened to pretty hard for a long time, like a twenty. Yeah. Okay. I don't find him to be a gangster rapper at I, all. I think he's he a gangster journalist. Street stories. stories. Right. Yeah. Right. He's right. a journalist. Nas. I'd say it's similar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's it's more on the Nas. It's like you're the the good writing guy who happened who, to be there yeah. when totally. this crazy shit right. went down. What it, what it, uh, I, I can't, just can't see What was him, JC's like, thing? Like people. you didn't live it, you witnessed it from your mom's pad. Right. Like, wrote in your notepad. Yeah. Um, discovered your life. And that's discovered good, your that's life. That's a really good line. Yeah. <laughs> damn um, it, damn it, JC. That was pretty gangster. <laughs> um, so, so the, it has, it has something steeped in this kind of street life stories, the things that like a Donald Goins book would cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think your proximity as an MC to being gangster or not is where you put yourself in the story. So Kendrick Lamar is always like, I saw it. Right. This he, is what happened. Right. But right. he's never like, I'm that right. guy and I will he's do not, this. He's not stirring the crack. Right. He's yeah. talking about yeah. how it's being stirred. Stirred. Right. Yeah. 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 Which is which is an important distinction. For sure. Um, Whereas like a J-Rock or a Q, right. not always the same. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're saying like, I'm, I'm in it. Right. And it really mm-hmm. seems like uh, Top Dog fully enmeshed in the street life. Oh, absolutely. And then like weirdly running into Kendrick's dad at the drive through, you know. You listen to the backwards one, the <laughs> deluxe version of Damn. Oh I, I know you did. Um, <laughs> but I didn't buy it. I just put it in a different order in a playlist. <laughs> I know. I know. 
cheater. It's not, it's not Geni- that complicated. That's genius marketing, though. <laughs> totally. Isn't it? Now isn't you're it? buy it again. Backwards. Totally. <laughs> the fifth song just stays in the same place. <laughs> so, so who's a who's a preeminent gangster of today? As we look at the rap scene, well, isn't which, it O Three Greedo and Draco the Ruler? Right, and they're right. both in like you know they're, they're in, like fully they're in, in jail, jail right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean I think that's they are the guys right now. Yeah. at least from L A. I mean, what about Slick Rick from like Behind Bars days? Well, here's the thing: it's weird because he's rapping about drugs. He's in jail. Because right, but you don't think of Slick Rick is a gangster rapper? There's people. He's too who, nice to his nephews. <laughs> <laughs> there's people who actually live these experiences, and we don't. Put them They're not gangsters. In that canon. Right. Yeah, it's it's weird. Okay, okay, I have one for like our generation or whatever. Uh, Criminal Minded is often cited as one of the first, if not the first, full records mm-hmm. of gangster rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not really though. Yeah, I know. It just ha- they have guns it's on proto. the cover. It's right, it's right. it's proto though because he's talking about. It is but PSK came out before Criminal Minded. It did. It's it a did. Fu- it it's did. it's a more it's fully fleshed there. out. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, narratives about street life. They're kicking right. in the door. He's talking about, you know, women be addicted to crack. Yeah. And he's also, he is centering himself, you know, on some of the tracks. I on mean, some, some of the, the tracks, times he's right. like, okay, poetry, he's not doing that. Yeah. Right. And he moved at, away from it so fast. Like, a very little of his career is caught up in, like, gangster narratives mm-hmm. right. after what right. happened to Scott. Mm-hmm. It's not right. about a salary. It's all about reality. <laughs> so, um, but I can yeah. see how the layman, you know, dumb anchor person is going to be like, he's a gangster rapper. Right, gangster well, rapper, KRS-One. Totally. That just sounds ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But, but to the external world, gangster <laughs> rapper is just angry black guy that we're scared of. Right. And, yeah, that, totally. and, that, and that encompasses so many different people. It's kind of right. like, uh, I'm sure to the, to the outside world, a little Yachty is a gangster rapper. <laughs> and you're just like, no. I don't know no, if that's no, the best no, example, no. but. Um, okay, let's, let's do this one, Little Wayne. I, I'm going to go pretty high. I'm going to go in the 80s only because I feel like he's at his best when he's talking about home invasion. <laughs> I, think, I think his gift for talking about going in your house and robbing you and kidnapping people is his strong. I think that's where he's doing his best work. And unsurprisingly, I think he is crazy martian shit is his best shit <laughs> yeah, okay. it's like, I, I don't really think of him as a gangster rapper am i, I being naive I, he threatens to shoot people quite often yeah <laughs> that's but kind of his shit threatens <laughs> <laughs> you know the way just be out there talking um oh, miss katie uh so so gangsta gangster um whatever you want to call it 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 is the predominant um movement in rap, and it has been. I always cite, and I've said this on previous episodes. I cite the first Chronic as kind of this watershed moment where the culture turns around and says, "If you're not doing something that responds to this, you're just doing something wacky." Yeah, I mean that that record's that good, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's like yeah. that's it's a it's epical. You right. change everything. You yeah. change the genre. Sea incredible change. record. Yeah. yeah. So now even rappers who are I you know demonstrably not gangster have to adopt some of that aesthetic. I mean, I even look at, like, battle rappers who just are making, like, complex mama jokes. Right. right. And their whole posturing and yeah. everything that comes out of it is kind of this, it's a, it's kind of a gangster aesthetic. So yeah. it's, it's definitely taking over, taking over the entire genre and actually bleeds into other genres. My son is, is big into this, like, pop rock shit. And every one of those new bands has a trappy, mm. you know, course, the, the feel, I, you know. I don't know if we have time to totally get into this, but, like, trap music is all about selling drugs and being in the street. Is it gangster rap? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a, it's a think southern, it's it's a southern rap, mutation. Yeah. Of it. But yeah. I think they would say they were not. 
Right. That it's right. its own thing. Sure. Right? Well, I, I, you know, I think Raekwon wouldn't say he's a gangster rapper. Right. But if, if we're thinking about a more kind but of. he's a 65. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like sure. Madden players are going to be getting back to us like, you fucked up my rating. I'm way more gangster. Okay. How I've about this? killed tons of people. How, how about this? Uh, Redman. No. I would say no. Yeah, not, say a, no. not a gangster rapper. What it, what he's it, hard. What it, what it would be he's his rating? He's from a tough neighborhood, but he's yeah. a and lyricist. It, yeah. Okay, no. but there's gangster lyricist. He's more likely to talk sure. about packing a gun than Kendrick would. Yeah, but the way he talks about packing a gun is like yeah, metaphors. It's, that's what I'm, I'm – You know what yeah, I mean? I'm yeah. not going there with you. Where would you put him? I, I would put him on the 60 side. Really? I think it, I think if you were in the bricks right now, you would want to be with Redman. He'd be I'd, too high. <laughs> how high? Totally, yeah. <laughs> not in how high, too. Yeah, I know. I heard. Yeah, yeah. It's a fucking bummer. Yeah, um, who's going to be in that? Movie? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think of him like that, but I, I just either. have my own criteria where okay. it's like I, you have to pass some like – Weird I think he has test. a gun right now. I think Red has a in in not in his proximity. He has a gun right now. But my neighbor who lives upstairs who does physical therapy has a gun. Yeah, though. totally. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? We're a yeah. gun that motherfucker crazy gangster society. as hell. <laughs> <laughs> you talking about Fred? <laughs> oh man. Um. So so the debate rages on about what is what is a gangster. We actually um have an interview right now. With you know, we'll call him an expert on it. He actually wrote a book about it um, called "The History of Gangster Rap," um, and his name is Soren Baker. Definitely, you know, esteemed hip hop journalist. Talked to you know the icons of the genre and has this new book out, which is doing crazy numbers on Amazon. Um, so if you're you know you're mad literate, I like fully want to read this book. Especially, yeah, I, I, I wanted yeah. to read it before I like, would want to read every hip hop book. But after talking to him, I'm like, oh, I want to. I want the full details on that anecdote. Yeah, he, <laughs> I will he, be reading this. He teased some real, yeah, some real yeah. dope stories. So uh, we're happy to bring this to you. This is our interview with Soren Baker, author of The History of Gangster Rap. Right, Dad Bod Rap Pod, um, nothing but dope interviews. We've got special guest today. He just dropped a book not too long ago called The History of Gangster Rap. Welcome to the program, Mr. Soren Baker. How's it going? Everything is good. Thank you all for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Number number three on Amazon, the book right now? <laughs> you know, it fluctuates. Amazon updates it hourly, but uh, I was fortunate enough that The History of Gangster Rap Picked at number one in new releases oh, on the nice. music history and criticism chart that they have, so that was uh, that was amazing, man. That is awesome. number one on anything. <laughs> yeah, congrats, man. Anything on Amazon is crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely big time. So tell us, kind of, um, you know, for those who haven't had a chance to check out the book yet, tell us, kind of, what's what's the premise of this book? The premise, you said? Yeah. Yeah, so basically what I wanted to do was go through the history of gangster rap, which is the title of the book, but then to also really explain kind of why the artists did what they did and why it's important back starting in the 80s all the way up till today and how the music is still, you know, important now, both the classic material as well as the artists that are releasing gangster rap now 
how gangster rap is dominant and prominent and has been since Schooly B came out in 1985. Mm. And with that in mind, I really, as I've done throughout my career as a journalist and as a writer, really focused on the music itself, what the music said, the trends in the music, and how the genre evolved um, and the different turns and twists that the, the artist and the music itself took. I really focused on that and wanted to trace the evolution of Schoolie D starting out in Philadelphia, being the first rapper to own his own record label. Mm -hmm. And then now we see a lot of artists coming out with their own labels and being super successful. And then we see the modern versions of what is, you know, gangster rap now. So I just wanted to go through all that. And I thought it was an important story because I think a lot of times people look at gangster rap as only violent or only misogynistic or, or pointless. And I think that with Schoolie D, with Boogie Down Productions, mm -hmm. with Just Ice, with IT, and with the entire Ruthless Records roster, you know, there was a lot of message. There were a lot of messages in that music and it was very important and very powerful. And I think that continues today in the music that you see with Vince Staples, with YG, mm -hmm. you know, with G Perico, with AD, and even uh, Kendrick Lamar depending on how you look at him but mm. the music the legacy and the content is still very powerful and still very germane today that's awesome i can't wait to read it um did you come in with a working description for gangster rap and like did it change over the course of talking to all these people well talking to big trade from the east siders helped me toward the end of the book in the sense of framing it and putting an actual breakdown of how I had framed it on my own, but he really articulated it very well, which was basically, and I talk about this in the book, that clearly the West Coast didn't start gangster rap, but West Coast and what the West Coast artists did were what became synonymous with gangster rap, and what they did is what we see influencing everything today um, with the new, the current artists that I mentioned, but then also just the, from the clothing to the slang, to the attire, to the sound of the beats, to the vibe and aesthetic that so much music has today. The foundation of that is what the ice T's and the easy E's and the NWA's and the conference most wanted in the DJ quicks of the world really brought to the table. Okay. Hey man. So you were able to speak to a lot of icons and a lot of the movers and shakers of the, um, of gangster rap. You know, I'm always interested in the journalistic side of it. Um, of the people you spoke to, who was, which was the funnest interview? Like, who struck you the most? Well, one person that I really enjoyed talking to was the DOC. Mm. And because he wasn't an official member, wasn't a member of NWA, I wanted to make sure to get him in there and to really explain his role on Ruthless Records and then later with Death Row. And then as it continued later with Dr. Dre at Aftermath, because the DOC, interestingly enough, if you listen to his album, No One Can Do It Better, mm -hmm. that I talk about in the book, like he doesn't really use profanity Curse, yeah. and he doesn't oh, yeah. really about gang stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for him to be such an integral part of NWA success, of Snoop Dogg's success, of Dr. Dre's success, and he's not a gangster that just shows his ability to work with these dudes 
you know, his being from Texas, Dallas, Texas, mm-hmm. then to be able to use his gift as a writer to be able to craft some of this material is amazing. And so what I wanted to do with the DOC was highlight his work and his insight, and he's extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. So one thing I did was, you know, it's getting funky. It's funky enough song. You know, he starts at one, and then comes a two, two to three, and a four. And then with nothing but a G thing, Snoop says one, wow. and then mm-hmm. comes a two, two to three, and four. But that's because DOC had a hand in, you know, helping Snoop write that. Mm-hmm. So right. I have a whole... I have a whole sidebar. I called it doing numbers with the DOC where he breaks down how that happened. And it's those type of stories that really brought a lot of excitement and uh, joy to me writing the book because some of these things, you know, like you said, I talked to so many icons and the pillars of the, of the movement and the, and the music that I, I talked to more than 30 people for the book. And I mm-hmm. would guesstimate, in the upper 80% or somewhere in the 80% of the book is original stuff that I got myself for the book. Mm-hmm. You know, I did use some quotes that I'd had of my own that were older. And then, you know, if I happened across something that was particularly noteworthy that someone said in an article or in a book, then I use that. But that's, again, I would guesstimate maximum 20%. And mm-hmm. hopefully, and I would imagine even less than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I take a lot of pride in that it wasn't, you know, just cobbled together using other people's interviews and stuff. It was a lot of what I did on my own from right. talking to these guys, both for the book and then through my own, uh, much less, but I also used some of my own interviews over the years with, you know, game or Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre or ice cube. So I sprinkled in, you know, the current, stuff which dominates the book it's the 85 percent, and then a little bit of some of the older stuff i did mixed with some stuff that i took from you know other interviews okay dope dope so uh i'm sure he's mentioned in the book and i just wanted to get your opinions on uh suge knight who just got sentenced to a, a very a very long bid just kind of closed chapter on on him and hip-hop but i i wonder do you do you talk about that at all in the book the I don't know you want to call it the contributions or the impact that he had on gangster rap as a form. Yeah, well, definitely I talk about the rise and the significance of death row of which obviously he was the, initially the co-owner of and basically explain how significant that label was. And, but as I mentioned earlier, I don't really go into the, a lot of the drama stuff unless it directly impacted the music so for instance like the beef that cypress hill and what's my connection had like i don't really talk about that in the book because that didn't change how the music or the culture in general was made mm. but with suge uh the tupac and biggie stuff is because that impacted how what music came out later gangster rap in particular and it also changed how the music business operated and i have yeah. very detailed stuff in there about that and so suge knight plays a prime role in that and i have to my knowledge a undocumented story about suge knight getting a, a visit from a priority records executive when snoop was going to go sign to no limit so i do include a lot about mm-hmm. suge some stuff i'm sure most people don't know about so okay, that was, 
that was pretty uh, exciting to be able to put that in. The book. Yikes! Okay, well, you, you you heard the tease there, so y'all got to go yeah, definitely, gotta, gotta definitely get the, the book, book now. Yeah. Um, Soren, do you have a an opinion, and did you make an editorial decision early on whether it was going to be gangster er or gangsta with an a? Yeah, I always prefer er mm. in the sense that if because um, the problem is or the challenge is, I should say, that artists spell everything multiple ways. Sure. So so the actual, I always prefer when I'm writing something to use it as the quote-unquote proper spelling or the normalized okay. spelling. Gotcha. Okay. So that's why I rolled with that. And I think that if you look back, especially in the earlier work of people, um, a lot of them... Not all, of course, because Easy E and Ruthless uh, were among the first to really go wild with the spellings. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Scooby D and some of these other guys, you know, by and large, not all exclusively, but most of them spelled the words properly, or at least mm-hmm. how, you know, the normal thing is. So I wanted to, when I write in general, this book and in my normal writing, I always, if I'm as Soren Baker, the writer, writing it in the article, I spell it properly. I don't use the slang or mm. the other types of terms because I just have never felt that that worked in with who I am or what I do. Sure, mm. that makes a ton of sense. Um, one of the reasons I ask is in uh, doing the research for this interview, I was I typed in uh, gangsta with an A rap, or no, G- gangster with an ER uh, Wikipedia and just Googled it, and Wikipedia's entry uses an A. And it's also oh. one of the messiest, like, worst-written, worst-put-together Wikipedia pages there is. <laughs> like, maybe if they follow your book, they can get it sorted out, but it's just all over the place. That that needs some work. Yeah, well, let's hope that my book, The History of Gangster Rap, can help clean that up a little bit. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. Hey, Soren, I want to put... Wikipedia writers out there. We need to- <laughs> <laughs> hey, dog, I write for Wikipedia. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, Soren, I want to put you on the spot real quick. I mean, if you strip away all the sort of uh, chronology and semantics, what's your favorite gangster rap album? Like, what do you bump? Talk a little bit about that. My favorite gangster rap album? Yeah. Uh, yep. It's hard for me because I don't, in general, with music, I don't, uh, typically label these types of things. Sure. If I if I had to say what's the best gangster rap album, okay, which also would be one of my favorites because I don't I listen to music very differently. I've noticed than almost everyone I've ever met. So it's very I don't listen to it um, and evaluate things in the same way. Um, but I would say probably. The best gangster rap album is Ice Cube's Death Certificate. Mm. I think that that album, from top to bottom, start to finish, mm. is a phenomenal examination of what gang life, what life in South Los Angeles and Los Angeles County in the, you know, it was released in 1991, so he would have been obviously observing everything that he put into that album up to that point in his life. So mm-hmm. I think that that album you have alive on the rival, which decries the failing 
medical system in America, specifically as it relates to the treatment that uninsured black men in Los Angeles were receiving at MLK Hospital. You have us, where Ice Cube kind of points the finger at the black community itself of needing to take some responsibility for what's happening with the drug dealing and, and a lot of the other things. You have Black Korea, which addresses the racial strife between, I think it's really Asians in general, but obviously Koreans and the black community from the corner store owners and the patrons there that we saw happen again and again with uh, real-life violence happening. You have um, My Summer Vacation, which mm -hmm. details the migration of the gangs from South Los Angeles and Los Angeles County out to the Midwest, which I think is an amazing thing. There's just so many songs on there. Uh, and then, of course, No Vaseline, which is widely, <laughs> widely regarded as one of the disc rec best disc records of all time, if not the absolute best. So, I mean, the album is just front to back, top to bottom. It's just an amazing, amazing album. Okay, good. That's good answer. So, so... And again, I'm I'm sure you kind of touch on this in your book, but but for our listeners here, um, what as we look at gangster rap currently, and also we're looking at a moment in our culture where there's this kind of re-evaluation of patriarchy and the role of women in society, and what's cool and what's not cool. Do you how does in into your opinion how does gangster rap kind of deal with the the Me Too moment and this idea that misogyny maybe doesn't get the not that it ever got a pass but it's getting more scrutiny that it ever did and and i know a lot of people locate that like gangster rap created that which it didn't but like how does the form in your opinion deal with with that question the question of how women are portrayed and treated well i would say in general that gangster rap does not um well, there's a few ways to look at it. On the one hand, gangster rap typically pay, paints a loving description of the mothers. Mm -hmm. Typically. Gangster rap also portrays a very critique, harsh critique at women who succumb to drugs, who are, you know, quick to have sex with dudes for the long reasons, in particular, women who are on drugs, etc. So... It's a tricky thing in the sense that if we're going to isolate it to women, I think then you're missing the point of gangster rap is taking and takes aim at anyone that is, in my opinion, and in the artist's opinion, I should say, you know, not doing the right thing, quote unquote. And of course, the artists tend to potentially overlook some of their own quote-unquote moral shortcomings. But the reality is is that women are not the only ones that are targeted by artists that are considered gangster rappers. You have the government's targeted. You have the police are targeted. It's basically people that are treating them unfairly. So when you look at a lot of gangster rap, not all of it, of course, some of it I believe is just misogynistic. And there's... I think if those records were being released by artists of the prominence that these artists had back in the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. and even the 2000s, 
I think that their careers and their perception of these artists would be very different than it is now. I don't think they would get away with it in the same way that they were able to go, you know, sell millions of copies. So translating that now to having tens of millions or hundreds of millions or a billion streams, I don't think that would, I don't think that level of success would be reached. And I think to that point, we don't have any artists I can think of off the top of my head that are getting billions of streams that are, you know, using derogatory words towards women um, in the way that the harshest gangster rappers did back in the 80s and 90s. Sure. Yeah, no, definitely the, the kind of tenor and, and tone of that has changed. Kind of tangentially to that point, who, in your opinion, and I understand now that you don't necessarily listen and rate things, maybe the way that uh, us rap nerds do, but who, in your opinion, is is... What's a great female gangster rap album? Is there one? A great female gangster rap album? Mm-hmm. But I think uh, Boss, mm. you know, her first album, it's got to be up there. I'd also say a lot of gangster booze, uh, okay. especially a lot of her material is really good. And I think is, uh, you know, rapping about gang type of stuff and the, Three Six Mafia, of which she was a member, mm-hmm. you know, they are a little bit different in the sense that they're not Bloods and Crips, but Memphis has a lot of gangs there, and they, you know, mention some of them in their material. Okay. And her name is obviously Gangsta Boo. She's yeah. rapping about gangster stuff. <laughs> right, right. I, I think she is, um, in my opinion, probably the best and has a lot of those things but of course being a woman and being with three six mafia she also raps a lot about sex and you know women stuff more than explicitly or extensively all the street stuff all the time Mm. so i think just the fact that women are probably less you know uh prone to rap about gang activity and street street stuff, I think it's going to be a little harder to find, you know, pure female gangster rapper that's, like, amazing. Okay, okay, fair fair enough. So for folks uh, out there who are thinking about the book, give us, in closing, kind of give us, what's your sales pitch? Why should the dad bods of the world run out and uh, buy the history of gangster rap? Well, I think really anyone should buy the history of gangster rap because it shows how important and impactful this music was. You have, if we're looking at the Mount Rushmore of gangster rap, you have Ice-T, you have Ice Cube, you have Mm. Dr. Dre, and you have Snoop Dogg. Mm. Right there between those four, people's grandmothers watch (laughs) Ice-T and love Snoop Dogg. (laughs) (laughs) And probably bought their grandkids some Beats headphones at some point. So all four of those dudes, and then you know, watched Ride Along or Are We There Yet? Yep. So My kids, yep. <laughs> there's such a generational reach between just those four artists right there, and they're the most prominent as far as success, longevity, achievements, um, and then obviously they're all incredibly successful. That gangster rap went from, in my opinion, like the second-class citizenship of rap music to now... This 
is the driving force of what rap is in the mm. sense that every like rap incorporates all forms of music and i would say to a large degree almost all rap now incorporates some form of gangster rap and these guys those four in particular and then everyone else may you know a lot of people's parents know 50 cent through watching power or vitamin water or yeah, whatever it yeah, is yeah so it's just a very it's a very very uh omnipresent form that's become virtually ubiquitous whether it's through the music itself or through the success of some of its key players and that's something that i wanted to articulate and i think too i hope that the book paints the picture and provides a perspective that this music is very important to what's going on in our society what was going on in the 1970s and 80s that the artists in the 80s rapped about. And then, unfortunately, many of these societal conditions remain. And that, to me, is also important because the music is so relevant and the, these songs have become timeless because, unfortunately, the conditions remain the same or largely the same. Mm. So for all of those reasons, I think it provides a good perspective. And I also think it you know, for people that remember, it'll give you a sense of nostalgia and you'll be able to learn, hopefully, at least some, if not a lot, about the music you were listening to back then, especially the context of it, because I put all the music in the context of what was going on in the United States. I open every chapter with that mm. and what was going on in the world. <clears throat> so I have who was the president at the time, what else was going on in rap, and then just another noteworthy fact as a kind of sidebars at the beginning of each chapter and then the first couple of paragraphs i talk about what was going on in the world in the united states and then i get into what was going on with rap so there's context so i really hope that the book provides people with uh, something and many things to think about as far as the music they listen to or their family members or their offspring or their children or their grandchildren listen to and why it was so impactful Awesome. Well, hey, we want to thank you for coming on. Everybody, go out and buy The History of Gangster Rap. Soren Baker, thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yo, thanks, man. And a one and a two. We want to thank you for listening to another dope episode of the Dad Bod Rap Pod. More fly conversation and interviews coming your way every week. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash dadbodrappod. And we're always down to interact with you on Twitter at dadbodrappod, all spelled out. Subscribe on Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes. 